Okay. Welcome to the first episode of our podcast. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about going for 10 uh, in Celtic's last dance. So tonight with me I have got uh, Johnny and Mark and we're going to be discussing uh, the events at Celtic just now. So the first point is the incoming of the new chief executive, uh, Dominic Mackay. Uh, what we know about him is uh, he's been involved in rugby, but he's a season ticket holder at Celtic. Uh, he's got quite a good track record, I think. Uh, and personally, I'm quite excited about him coming in. Uh, Mark, what's your opinions on Dominic McKay? Yeah, much the same as yourself, uh, Paul. Um, excited, I think. Very optimistic. Um, if you needed that big change, um, I've not personally been a big fan of uh, the, the current chief exec. I think he's been there far too long. But yeah, the, the, uh, I don't know an awful lot about the guy, I have to admit. Um, but yeah, he seems to be uh, an, an innovator um, and he's, he's maybe changed around Scottish rugby where he's kind of thinking out of the box uh, in terms of, of not rugby just being contained because I think rugby can be seen as a, a bit of a, a dinosaur the same as Scottish football um, where it can, it's within its own bubble and, and, and you know they, they, they tend not to mix but since I've heard this guy's been involved with Liverpool Roma game, I think it was a few summers ago, where you know a, a big game played at uh, Murrayfield. Um, they, they, they put a bid in for, for the Scottish football to, to move from Hamden to, to, to Murrayfield. So I think the guys get some good ideas, things out of the box, and uh, I, I think that's what they need uh, new ideas, bring a new structure to the club. And yeah, I think um, it, it's, uh, it's looking quite good. John, Johnny, what's your opinion of Dominic McKay? Yeah, just uh, a bit like Mark was saying, I didn't know a lot about the guy. It's only when he was appointed that you start to kind of um, research and just kind of understand what, what he's done for rugby. I, you know, I don't follow rugby myself, so uh, don't know much about... Uh, well, I didn't know much about what he'd done um, previously, but he seems to have made a big impact and... Um, it's good that he's a Celtic man as well. Um, I think there, there can be mixed opinions on whether he, he, the chief exec needs to be a Celtic man or not. But um, but no, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think obviously with Peter Lawwell going, it was long overdue, and so brought in you know a young guy. Hopefully, he's got some new and fresh ideas, and um, he can shake things up a bit. Um, within the board and, and bring some new ideas. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite excited about it. That's the thing. He was uh, he he was the guy that brought the rugby uh, to Celtic Park. I was watching an interview the day, uh, and it seemed to have been a big coup. About he was really interested in bringing the, the rugby to Glasgow. Uh, I wonder if that was a wee test to to see. Uh, to test the water yeah. uh, with, with bringing in new stuff you know so 
Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, he was the guy who brought the Commonwealth Games to Celtic Park Same as well. Yeah, so that's interesting. Aye. I mean, can you take like the rugby coming to Celtic Park? I mean, that that's like for you, Johnny, and I assume you, Paul. I'm more big on rugby. So that uh, competition is that the equivalent of the Champions League in a smaller way, having the final there? Is am I right in saying that? I'm not sure, Matt. I'm not sure. No, uh, not sure myself. Well, well I, I think it is. I could be wrong, but I mean, what, what gets me is it, it was a massive thing, you know, that that big final being there in, in that sport. But I just, I, I was good to take the Celtic, you know, the Celtic Park. But why, why Celtic Park and not Murrayfield? I guess somebody would be able to let us know that. But yeah, I mean, it is great that the guy is crossing streams. He's more afraid to to mix it up. Um, and yeah, I also heard that he was heavily involved in, in the, the opening of the, the, the Commonwealth Games and being at, at Celtic Park and getting involved in that. So, yeah, he, um, yeah I, I think it is, of all times, eh, it, it's maybe, I, well, I think it's maybe been easy for a long time, but now more than ever, I, I think, it, you know, you have to say that it's definitely needed. Yeah. What's, what's your hopes, Mark? What's your hopes that what's the first thing you think Dominic Mackay needs to do first at the club? I um I, I think he needs to look at what has gone wrong. What what has gone wrong for for and and, and maybe it's no I don't think it's as obvious as, as the coach or the manager. Um although that has a big part in it. But how how we've been in, in such a position of strength and, um, you know, dominance within Scottish football for so long to, to, to get to this position is, is just baffling. And, and I just can't... I don't accept that it's just the coach. I think that is a big part of it. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't just seem to be the kind of coach. It just seems to be all through the departments that just nothing is working. Um you know, it's been so dis—it's been so disappointing that we, you saw the flags and the banners don't fall asleep at the wheel. It's exactly what they've done, hundred percent what they've done, and for yeah. educated people who, with the business acumen they've got, and they've just hundred percent fell asleep at the wheel. There's not a better way to put it, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I think well. What I would want to see different is that, you know, from what we're led to believe, um, Peter Lawwell has had quite a kind of dictatorship approach um, yeah. at Celtic. He, he's a, he mm-hmm. seems to be involved in every decision that's made. And, and I don't think it necessarily needs to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Um, and and I, would, I would hope that this guy has a, a bit of a more hands-off approach and let let people go on with the things that they're good at at, at all levels rather than having yeah. to micromanage people, um, you know, for every decision they're making. I think what people need to be is good at their job and not be good at anybody else's job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's what we're, we're needing. Yeah. Uh, if, 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 he's, if he's a guy that's going to be making appointments, whether it's from the coach to... Um, Sports scientists or 
if he's got that involvement or you know scouting or you know that he has to trust these guys to to, to run their department and to run it well. Um, and I think that's important as well. That um, that yeah, you're absolutely right, Johnny. Um, that it's a hands off, um, and, and I think yeah, you have to build a lot of trust. What's your thoughts on the um, the appointment of Dermot Desmond's son on the board as well, and how that will affect things? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. See, this is the thing, isn't it? With Peter Lawwell got so much attention, far more attention than anything the board should have got. So, usually these things happen quite seamlessly. It'll be mentioned in the press, and it won't be a big deal. But Peter Lawwell's had the attention of like a star player, isn't he? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know they're very successful in business. Uh, but I don't, I, I don't know. What does his son What does his son do? Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. Again, that's another one that kind of came out the blue and I've not kind of read up on it yet. But you kind of think, wait a minute, okay, Dermot Desmond's son, is it just kind of jobs for the boys type approach or is it the fact that he's quite an astute businessman and they can bring, you know, some good experience to the board in some capacity? I don't know. In some ways, I don't know what you feel, but I think it, I'm not saying it couldn't be any worse, it could be, but I think the board now are full of guys who are too comfortable. I don't really see them doing anything and they all seem to hide behind Peter Lowell. So, Yep. If it's if he's a new guy, he's got some new ideas. Uh, I don't think it can be a bad thing. Uh, would you think yourself, Mark? I I mean I, I go back to that trust thing. I think the board need to put the trust in their appointment of uh, Dominic McKay and, and allow him to do things. And I, I'm just not looking forward to maybe talking less about board level PLCs and, and CEOs and and you know just football stuff um, and just to go back to your, your question Johnny I, I never really gave it much thought I just think they're all much of the same um, you know guys who appear to have good business uh, you know, sense but you don't really know what they do yep. to be honest and, and, and so I, I think yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where, you know, I'm really no discussing anything to do behind the scenes in terms of board level and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. I mean, it's we support the we support the football club. We're there to support the team, as in the guys that take the field, play football, score goals. We shouldn't really be overly interested in the guys that are thinking to do with the balance sheet as long as they're, they're doing their job well uh, but over the last few years it's, it's no went on that it's been over the last good few years about Peter Lowell holding money back or getting in the way of players getting transferred and uh, I, I, I hope it, I hope that's the end of it to be honest uh, and we can get back to concentrating on the, the guys in the pitch yep, absolutely I'm going to go into players, Johnny. Now, uh, 
I don't know about you, but the the game the other night, four nothing. Uh, I thought Celtic were all right against them. I didn't think that they were fantastic. I thought it was a kind of standard performance. Probably not a f- true reflection for nothing in the scoreline. But the thing that the thing that pleases you is the thing that annoys you. Uh, how many of the players started to play now compared to uh, the lead up to January? My thinking is, I think a good few of them thought they were going to get a move. What yep. do you think? Yep, I agree. I agree. And so it's like it's almost as if, well, they didn't get a move in January, so now they need to start turning it on again so they get um get the move at the end of the season. So it's interesting. It's it's a tough one to call because what 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 kind of interested me, you know, throughout the kind of the last few months is how confident Neil Lennon has been about how much he can turn it around. And I felt as if it's almost been delusion. Um, but he, you know, he's been so confident over the last few months saying, we'll turn it around, we'll turn it around. And you look and go like, ah, well, maybe he's right. Maybe he is turning it around. But that could be a few different factors, like the thing about the players that we just mentioned. Or is it just the fact that, you know, they're getting their confidence back, they're starting to play well. Um, it's it, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's hard to kind of put your finger on. But, um, but no, I agree we're starting to show sense of the old Celtic right now, definitely. Now, there's different ways of going about it. I look at Ayer, right? I was never a big Ayer fan, but he's probably been one of our best players this season. Uh, because even if he's won a move or not, I do think he's never switched off and he's always been given 100%. But if you look at a guy like Ryan Christie, uh, now, I don't want to be too hard on Ryan Christie because if it wasn't for Ryan Christie, we wouldn't have won the, just when have done the quadruple treble there. Uh, but it definitely seems that his head's been turned uh, and he seems like a guy that maybe thought he was actually better than he was. Uh, the fans, I'm, I'm shocked at how many fans have went against him. Like They think he's shocking, a shocking performer. Uh, but I do think he has totally went off the boil this season but the other night started to play a wee bit better uh, just guys like that guys, the guys have went away, I mean in Cham, we always knew he wanted away uh, Frimpon, I think we were all shocked but good shot that we got the money for him that we did but is it maybe a case now that the the players that were went away are dragging the rest of the players down. What do you think, Mark? Um, I, I, I probably on something there. I think um, if, if people don't want to be there, I think this, this goes in any whether it's an office or a factory. I think that, that mood and aura tends to bring other people down. I, I think there's no way about it, and and I think that if, if there is players that, that want to go and they're humming and hawing and they're maybe no, uh, they're unhappy because they believe that they could be playing elsewhere and getting twice the money or three times the money, and there's maybe other guys in in the dressing room that is getting twice the, the three times the money that they're getting, and 
Yeah, it's going to cause a bit of a. Maybe not be rift like evident, you know, in terms of they don't speak, but in terms of like you know they they, they think that you know I, I, they just don't go on these people and they they, they just it, it kind of breaks up that camaraderie. They they kind of have that team spirit, and I, I think yeah, that, that that could perhaps be it. And and I think in the summer. Um, it could have been handled a lot better by by moving guys on, uh, and 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 just tackling that head on rather than just saying, "Well, he, what would he want? He didn't sell anybody." But you know, I, I think it could have been handled a whole lot better in terms of the management of the squad and rotating it and, and moving people on. And I think it's now left us with a an even bigger uh, task this summer, and um, which is probably. I don't know, it seems to be most of that squad needs to move on. Now, can I ask you this? Thinking about Neil Lennon's comments and the, the times that Neil Lennon has flung the, the players under the bus, so he flung them under the bus after the, the Ferenc Barros game, eh, when the transfer window is still opened, and he flung them under the bus end of January when the transfer window is still open. I think Neil Lennon was trying to push these guys out the door. They, they keep the guys that actually wanted to be there. I don't know. It's, I think the way the way that he spoke was that Neil Lennon was almost offended that these players wanted to leave, um, uh, and you can understand why. You know, Neil Lennon is a Celtic man, and we're, we're all Celtic men, and you think, you know, why would someone who plays for Celtic want to go and play? at a Bournemouth or a Southampton or whatever, you think to yourself, why? So he was like, it, it was almost offended that they wanted to leave. They're going for 10 in a row. And I think he was just kind of trying to make them understand that how lucky they are to be playing with Celtic and that if they stay, yeah. then they could be part of history. So I don't think he was necessarily trying to push them out the door. He, he wanted to keep them. He's been too loyal to a lot of the players who weren't performing, but I think he, he maybe felt that, okay, if we can keep them and then we can get the transfer window closed, then let's get them playing again and let's get winning 10 in a row. So I think, I think personally, I think it was more along those lines. Mark, what's your take on it? When I was saying about the transfer windows? Um, I, 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 I'm not sure what to think because Neil um, just it changes and contradicts himself. It seems to be every second interview that he, he, he does. The one minute, going, going back to that Ferns Farris game, you're absolutely right. He threw the, the team under the bus and, and says that there's no players there that don't want to be there. And and then I think a, a few games later, he was, he was going about there was a good, there was a good spirit within the team. Now, I, I, I don't see how that can be possible. You know, if there's people not want to be there, and and I, I I just I just don't get it, and and uh, yeah, I, I just I think Neil Lennon is part of the problem. There's one 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 minute he seems to be putting his arm around him, the next minute he's calling him out, and no no necessarily calling out to us because it just leaves other questions. Well, who are they? I mean, we, we can all maybe guess who they are, but. I don't think that's fair either because we're all left believing that it could be 
this player, that player, and, and the next player. And then, you know, out of the blue, as you mentioned, Froome Pong was off, and that was one of them. So they're like, wow, I, well, I didn't expect that, but I have to be, to be honest, I, I, I thought the money they got for him was... was yeah, couldn't believe it. And, and if that's the case, uh, if that was the case, if that's for getting from Froome Pong, then I'd be respecting quite a lot, plus more for, for, for some of the other ones. I think uh, I think no matter what Neil Lennon's reasoning was for calling those players out after that Ferenc Varos game, it was the wrong thing to do. Most people would agree because yeah. it didn't it didn't add any value. It didn't make us better. It didn't make Neil Lennon look um, very good. So it was just it was the wrong call, and I think he probably realizes that now. Um, and it, it kind of it was trying a few days later he was trying to kind of play it down a bit what what he said but I think he just kind of he was maybe angry at the result and he, he he just came out with that but it was it was the wrong thing to do I think I think I think in terms of that and I, I get that maybe he's angry he's come out he's quite you know emotional guy and, and and I think maybe he tends to do far too many interviews and I think that could be shifted to to his other staff to, to do that and, and there's nothing wrong with that um, but <laughs> to me it seems as if you think that we're all stupid that they don't remember these things because um, you know he's now come out and said that in Sam has been wanting away for about two years so how many transfer windows is that where we could have moved them on um, and then the, the whole thing about El Hamid that you know, he came out that he just wanted to move on, then he came out and says, no, he's happy, he's absolutely fine here, and he's just getting his way back in the team. And then, you know, a, a couple of weeks later, he's, he's not been able to settle, and, and he's just, and that's absolutely fine if the guy's not able to settle. And, and I, I, I get that. It's just as he's home, etc. But come on, just stop just treating his tip and just forgetting what, what you're telling us. You know, it's... it's Sorry, do you know what Neil Lennon reminds me of sometimes? See when you look back at the old Brian Clough interviews and the guys say yesteryear before social media and stuff where only a, a wee you would read about it in the paper and you maybe caught a bit in the radio but not everything goes through to everybody. Yeah. I still think Neil Lennon I still think Neil Lennon operates on that. You know, like uh, and this obviously there's nobody advising him on this stuff. Uh, but he's he's no moving with the times. He's uh, he's a very much old fashioned manager. Uh, and I said before I was quite looking forward to that coming in, but uh, it's not working, he's not moved on, he's uh, the players don't like it. Uh, the fans don't like it, and uh, ultimately, it's going to cost him his job. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be absolutely shocked that the manager next season. I think it's going to be a, a, a big. Yeah, you've not seen anything yet. If he's still the manager, come the start of next season. But just to go back to what you said, Paul, who is advising on this? Because I think there needs to be people behind them saying. Maybe don't address this or, or, or brush over that. And and again, I'll go back to what I say you don't have to take every single interview or every single yeah. press conference. And 
Because look at the one that they had after the one when they blew yeah. up, um, doing the we came back from Dubai. He had his spell in isolation. He came back and he went for it, and he was getting questions fired at him and about uh, players that, that had to isolate or players who were tested positive, and he gave the answer. And just under his nose, somebody gave him a, a note to other else. It's just completely <laughs> And I would be absolutely livid if somebody had done that to me. Yeah, they could have just let it go and then maybe later on saying, but just, as, as we were talking, it, it's come to light there's been somebody else. They don't do it in mid press conference and say, oh, there you go. It's just... It reminded me of uh, that when uh, George Bush was in the classroom and he got told about the Twin Towers getting, uh, getting bombed. You know, he just, you know, he just sitting there and then he gets told that information. Did he go back? What did he do? Did he go back to the Anyway. Do you know the thing as well with that press conference? You see, uh, you see down south that the managers will only answer certain questions, right? So Peter Lorwell had come out and apologised for uh, for going to Dubai, which they shouldn't have went. Nobody agrees they should have went. Why at the press conference did they not say, I'm, we've made a statement, that's for going with I'm not answering questions on Dubai. Peter Lorwell's come out and answered it. I, I'm, I'm not commenting on it. No. It's been done. That's a done move. No, no. And I think it's almost as if I mean, I know you're um, going to come on to the kind of fan engagement thing uh, shortly, Paul, but it's almost as if the PR department at Celtic has, has been put in furlough, and that's why we've, we've made so many stakes, mistakes in the PR department, because it's just been a disaster from from day one of the season, and you're like, how could, how could we go from... Because, you know, Celtic, you know, they've been doing well over the years in terms of fa- fan engagement. And um, it's almost as if from this season onwards, it's just, it's totally flipped. It's totally flipped. Um, I think this is probably a good thing to go into fan engagement. Uh, Mark, I know you've got plenty to say uh, about fan engagement or the, the lack of. Uh, I mean, that, that, that is that. It, it's, it's been now. Um, I mean, we were into lockdown just over uh, a, a year ago. Um, I thought just under a year ago, to say, Mark. We, we didn't know if the season was going to continue. And then they all kind of, once they found out we were awarded the league, they were asking, you know, what's going to happen with the season tickets? And, you know, do you think we'll just miss a couple of games or we'll be back by Christmas? And uh, you know what, what can I, What's the the, the, the season take on the bike? Are we going to get to see the games at all? There was absolutely nothing, and just Twitter was just swamped. Apart from one guy, the the, the, the sports liaison officer was trying his hardest and doing a very good job, my lad, about trying to give people um, answers or, or assurances and whatnot. Um, absolutely nothing. I mean, you could come up with different ways of, of how you could have engaged with the fans. Um, nothing. There has been one survey um, a good few months ago, right enough, and that was all about, you know, getting back into the stadium. You know, what would you do? Would you be happy to wear a mask? You know, all of this nonsense. Uh, but it's just absolutely nothing. Um, 
I, I just think, yeah, test the water, get a group of supporters. You've got all the contacts of, of every season ticket holder. You know all the supporters' buses, supporters' associations, everything. But just find out what you want. When you do a survey monkey, what, what would people be prepared to accept? You know, just we, we in the past have been, you know, been accused of a lot of that. I think the, the board just feels as a customer that it's taken for granted and it's really sticks on my throat. And uh, I, I just don't like that, that they're treated as customers that just turn up regardless. And I just don't think that's fair. This is one of the, the, the first things that Dominic Mackay needs to address. He needs to give the fans some kind of hope that it's not going to go the way it's going. Because the season ticket renewals will be coming in next month. Uh, and there's a lot of people so scunnered. And I don't just think it's because we have been so poor this season. But the, the way they treat the club has treated the fans with total contempt, not told them anything. You've had no value for your season ticket. Uh, Dominic Mackay will need to address this. And uh, this is where I think that he will either get a lot of, a lot of people backing straight away or there will be a lot of people with their backups straight away. So as well as getting a new manager and rejigging the football, I think this is one of his main jobs. What, what do you think, Paul, Celtic should or could have done differently from the start of the season and on the fan engagement side? Uh, I think they could have done a lot that would have cost very little money. Uh, I think if they had done just wee things like uh, sent out fans some uh, behind-the-scenes stuff at Celtic that you couldn't just get, you couldn't just jump on YouTube and get. I think they could have done some uh, interviews with players one of the big things I think they could have done, they could have, when they won the quadruple treble, they could have sent out every season ticket holder or even every junior a T-shirt, a T-shirt that would cost a couple of quid or a bit of paper with all the players' signatures on it that you could put in a frame. Just something like that. Something like that would have made a massive difference, I think. Uh, even at the start of the season, uh, you should have been given something off the shop. When all the new Adidas kit was coming in, they could have gave you a, a you buy the whole the whole kit. I mean the whole kit's hundred quid for a mm-hmm. boy. You know? Spend a hundred quid, you get a, a plain white Adidas t shirt with a wee shamrock on it. Uh, nine in a row winners. That was that I mean all they would have had to have done. But no, absolutely nothing. You get a a, a program. I've I have i do not know about yours, but I've never opened the programme. Uh, you get sent here a couple of days before you get to listen to uh, the commentary before the game which is, I don't know the commentary recently has been abysmal I think uh, and it's some of the coaching staff uh, McManus I think he shouldn't be doing commentary I don't think he should be involved in it uh, it's just been poor 
it's been really, really poor. Really, like, do you know what? Say you're a wee boy and your mum is just saying, I'm not angry with you, I'm disappointed. Mm. That's how I feel. Yep. That's how I feel about the, the, the real lack of effort. Yep. I, I mean, I, I think just going back to leading up to the renewals for this season, and I, I get everything was changing so, so quickly in terms of around COVID and they didn't know. I mean, all, all Celtic need to know is we're, we're keeping an eye on things. We'll let you know what we're thinking. But um, we're, we're planning to do that. I mean, it was, it was very late in the day that they actually came up with the path to paradise. And you know, for me, I don't think it's got for purpose. I'm starting watching it, and I'm I'm getting updates on my phone for for Sky Sports to say that great Celtic have scored the goal, and before Celtic have actually got the ball <laughs> and they're on the attack, and 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 that's if you're lucky to get actually get onto the stream. Um, I I think that that whole this is um what is it added value? Where is the added value apart from the, the digital program that you mentioned? And uh, I mean, the program starts about they put in the same songs over and over again, and then at half an hour, it's, it's um, you know guys who are already employed by the club. And you mentioned McManus and Day to, to give their uh, opinions. That they've got a media department, so why can they not, as you say, do things like open up the doors, which would be a bit more fan engagement, you know, behind the scenes in the training grounds, a player um, does, does an interview, they um, show you around, they introduce you to another player, or you get, you know, one of the backroom staff to let you know about their goal in the club, you know, a, a tour of Lennox Town, or, you know, one of the guys that work at Celtic Park in terms of the, uh, the museums, for instance, they do a wee bit of a tour, give you a wee bit of knowledge on a particular trophy, um, you, know, you get an old player in, they interview him, you show a few games, classic games and whatnot. But you know, you, you get that, but it goes to half time. You get about uh, three minutes of, of uh, a couple of uh, goals for classic games, and then it goes into guys um, such as, as I mentioned, O'Day, McManus, and, and it just seems to change a lot. I mean, they had the, the commentator in for BT uh, Sport. He seems to have gone now, and they went to Peter Martin, uh, and now uh, Jerry McCullough, another employee of Celtic. Um, I, I just don't get where, where they're going. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's just to finally see, and I've spoken to this before, see if you had an overseas supporter and you, you, you subscribe to Celtic TV. To me, then changing that completely in terms of the commentators and co-commentators. So are they actually saying that there's something wrong with that in, in the past and they had to change it? So to me, if I was a subscriber to Celtic TV, I'd be saying, well, hold on a minute, but are you actually admitting that what I was paying for before was not very good yep. and you have to change it? It's, it's just, to me, it's just weird. But you know, just have the past to Why can you not just give us a, a free subscription to Celtic TV so we can go on and we can look at old Celtic games and just play it on a loop? I don't care if they put on advertising for Celtic, um, the Celtic shop, merchandise, or, or the, the sponsor, you know, whoever to, to put on their adverts in between programmes. Just give us something rather than half an hour before the game and then 
I think it's even fucking minutes yeah. after the game if you're lucky. Uh, I mean, the, the, you know, I mean, you look at it, Man United. It, it would even have to be media genius, isn't it? There's enough stuff on YouTube they could just be they could just be taking it off there. Do you know what I mean? They they could be even things see for like the younger fans as well. Why do they not do things like a day that a player's uh, daily routine where they're following them in the changing room and getting something to eat? Just things like that. There's just no it's just no thought. It's just right, give you some money, we'll see you when you can get back in. It's absolutely shocking. But see, like so that, 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 that idea is uh, like the autographs. He goes, like, I just talk to the, to the, the young boys and young girls. I absolutely love it. Or here's your favourite uh, player, uh, a photograph signed. I mean, it's not personally signed, but it's just mass produced. It costs nothing and, and send it out. But then you hear about um, those those folk who have, um, you know, are able to afford a higher tariff of, of ticket and, and they're getting. And, and 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 other folk, you know, Joe Public like me and you, we get absolutely get nothing um, other than you know adverts saying, "Oh, come in and buy a Christmas jumper." It's and, and, and if you if you can do it, and and I'm not begrudging uh, folk getting a hamper, that, that that's great, and, and but they also get have been getting. But I know that folk have been brought into the lounges to watch games. And you know, I've been getting a deep bit of grub and free drink, and, 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 and that's fine. But these people can afford that because mm-hmm. if they couldn't, then they wouldn't do that. But if you're taking a weight up against their income, against Joe Public's income in terms of what they pay in terms of a season ticket, then it's kind of more or less just the same. And in some other households, it's not just one season ticket, I've two, okay, one uh, for. The kid. But, but you know, there's a lot of households out there, and we know who they are, are, are paying a lot of money for few season tickets. But and, and the thing yeah. is, I mean, I I jotted down a few things just from we were obviously um, Paul was saying about you know what we're going to talk about, and I was like, well, I could write down a few things on fan engagement. And it, you know, some like you say, it doesn't need to cost a lot of money. It could be somebody, a, a season ticket holder, on a weekly basis, wins a competition to go and see them train at Lennox Town. You know, when, when they're allowed to again. You know, they can meet all the players and they'll remember that for the rest of their life. That's not even going to cost the club anything. You could have a, a competition for a, a season ticket holder once a month, wins a day in hospitality. You know, one of the one of the games, a game of their choice, when you're allowed back in the stadium. Um, again, doesn't it cost a lot of money? They could be the the kids could be winning signed balls, um, win a competition to meet your favourite player. Just all these things that's gonna, you know, make it feel like the family club, you know, this club like no other that we claim to be, but it's like we need to start acting like that. And it's like all these things that we could have done, which none of us are geniuses. We can come up with these ideas. And why have Celtic not done any of these things which would keep the fans on side or engaged with the, the club? Do you know that they're, a, they're a, a, a big club? We're a big club operating like a wee mm-hmm. club. We, we really are. Just in, in you... 
you notice it as the time, sorry, in hindsight, but you notice it when things start going wrong. Uh, about the, they've just cut corners with stuff. Uh, and a lot of this to do has been Peter Lawwell to go back to him. Uh, just even things like the, the Celtic shop at the stadium, that could be two or three times bigger than it actually is. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be they could be filling that and taking the money in, but it's the whole it's the it is the penny pension playing the the safe bet. Uh, but there I'm going off on debating with Peter Lawwell <laughs> again. Uh, but the, but they could ask the fans what what they would like. What would you like to see? Uh, so this is maybe good as well with Dominic McKay. He, he's coming. He's coming in for a different sport. Uh, where it is, the, I think things need to change in the stadium as well. I mean, we've got a good stadium, but it's been a good stadium for a while. It won't start to. I know we get the lights in. But again, we were slow in getting the lights in. I mean, it used to annoy me when we used to watch Wolves in the telly. They've had these lights for mm-hmm. years. We used, to, we used to be a bit cutting edge, you know? Even with the signing players, like with Nakamura and stuff, where that was you getting a, a part of the Asian market. When is the last time that we done anything like that? When's the last time that we, we signed somebody and tapped in a, a new market. We never do it. We've not done it for absolutely yeah. years. Uh, and again, it's back. It's backward thinking. It's it's a big club operating with a, a small club mentality. Yeah, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. And it's yeah. You just hope that this this um, Dominic McKay is going to going to start tapping into these ideas again. Hey guys, well, that was great. Uh, I'll say good evening to you and I'll speak to you again okay. soon. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Mark. Cheers. Cheers later. Thanks, Mark. Cheers, Thanks, Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers. Welcome to A Boy Is Born. I'm Paul Kay and tonight I'm going to be joined again by Johnny and Mark. This week we're going to be discussing what is the way forward for Celtic? What is the plan? And where would you like to see Celtic in three to five years? Thanks for tuning in again and hopefully you enjoy it.
Welcome to A Boy Is Born. I'm Paul Kay and tonight I'm going to be joined again by Johnny and Mark. This week we're going to be discussing what is the way forward for Celtic? What is the plan? And where would you like to see Celtic in three to five years? Thanks for tuning in again and hopefully you enjoy it. How you doing? Hello. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Mark. Hi, Paul. Hi, Johnny. Welcome tonight. Uh, I'm joined again by Johnny and Mark for tonight's podcast. Uh, and the the main theme of the podcast is what is the plan going ahead for Celtic? Uh, before that, we'll have a wee discussion about the game. How did you think that went tonight, lads, against Aberdeen? I thought it was quite a tough a tough game. Um, I, I, I thought we made it tough for ourselves. Uh, first half was probably the better half. Um, I don't know, I just seem to enjoy the first halves better. Because, um, you know, when you get to the last 15, 10, last injury time, you're absolutely dreading it. And because the balls are getting flung into your box and you're just wondering whether or not we're just going to drop another two points or, or, or lose three points completely. But no, I thought, um, you know, um, Turnbull's goal, great goal, um, well worked, quick ball out from Bain. One of McGregor, he just drove forward and that's what we've been missing for, for most of our play all season is just that drive forward. Um, gave it to Turnbull, who's always looking to shot, sorry, always looking to shoot and... Um, you know, pretty much every one of his shots is pretty successful and if they're not going in the net, they're certainly hitting the, the target. Um, McGregor was, uh, unfortunately, not to get a goal in the first half. thought that effort was was uh, his technique to keep that ball down and under control was, was great. So, um, yeah, I th- thoroughly deserved one. So, lead going into half-time. Um, a wee bit fortunately, we can bear his shot coming off the post. Uh, maybe... The periods we showed a little bit lack of composure, panicked a little bit on the ball, where maybe we lost possession. I think on, on that uh, situation, we we panicked just clearing the ball out. Uh, maybe I'm being a bit unfair in Turnbull because I thought, yeah, yeah, a, a good steady game as pair. Um, but, you know, I thought he could have maybe have taken a touch, looked up and saw it, but you know, on the replays, maybe he didn't have as much time, but certainly could have done a lot better with his clearance, which went straight to Kim Berry, who, who managed to get the shot. But fortunate, yeah, uh, it, it, it didn't go in. And, and I thought, yeah, we, we did deserve the the lead at half time. And at, at the end of the game, we, we were worthy winners. Aberdeen are not a good side, absolutely not. But it, just at that end, you know, you were just absolutely. Absolutely breaking it. You know, you thought you we were just going to throw it all away, and and I've never seen a team to to be so comfortable in so many games. But yeah, as the game drags on and on, as it gets closer to the ninetieth minute, you think we're we're just going to uh, blow this, aren't we? Yep, I agree. Um, I was pleased to pleased to get the um, pleased to get the the win again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a clean sheet, which is nice. Yeah. Um, good to see Welsh coming back in. And, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah, managed to recover from what, what we initially thought was quite a, a bad injury, but it's good to see 
um, that he came back in ahead of Duffy. Um, and, and 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 did have a good game. He did. He did. did. Absolutely. I think Ayer is probably deserved man of the match. Um, you know, if Ayer was was to stay at Celtic, you would see him as being a, a probably a worthy captain. Whether he stays, that probably remains to be seen. Um, but Turnbull again, he, he, he just showed his class in the game tonight and you look at him and you go, that's probably Celtic's next big asset. You know, you could see him having the £30 million price tag. Hopefully he stays at Celtic for a long time, but just, you know, seeing him over the last few months, he's been excellent. Um, But yeah, like you said, Mark, heart in your mouth towards the end of the game. As soon as it gets to the set pieces in the last few minutes of the game, you, you, you just do get nervous, but you know, the Celtic from a couple of months ago would have lost a goal in that, probably yeah, in that yeah. injury time, but we've held out and um, with these kind of results, it kind of breeds more confidence, so that's all you can really ask for at this moment in time, I think. You just feel calmer. The Welsh playing for such a, a young guy, I think that's the calmest defence we've had all season. Yeah. Uh, and that's still with Ayer. He takes a few chances and he uses his speed and stuff. Uh, but I thought Aberdeen, uh, Lewis Ferguson was putting the boot in again. Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually realise the, the way he'd went in in Bain until it was the replay, but uh, again, I thought it was a strange substitution taking Sorrow off. I thought he hadn't put a foot wrong, you know, but uh, on the other hand, that's the way Brown should be used sparingly. Because when he came on, he did, he did do a, a good shift, made a few good clearances. Aye. I was surprised that, that Brown didn't start ahead of um, ahead of Sorrow. Um, but I was actually I was pleased that he did put Sorrow in. I thought maybe when Brown slotted back into the team, then that was him, unless he was to make a, you know, a mistake or whatever. But yeah. like you said, Paul, it's... Um, Maybe Len- Lennon's using them in the right way as as he should at this stage. No, I, I I agree with Johnny. I thought just because it was Aberdeen, you know, the so-called third team in Scotland, and it, it was you know on, on, we thought it was going to be a, a a more difficult game, and I think we made it more difficult on, on ourselves, as I says. But I think um, yeah, I was pleased Soro started, and yeah, and I do think Brown's a little bit more effective coming off, having sitting up in the stand and, and perhaps watching it and maybe coming on with fresh legs. All right, they're old legs, but I think, you know, that, that 20 minutes or whatever it was, I think maybe Misoro, I, I thought he was maybe falling away and I don't know if that's because he's just came back having been out for a, a few games and and he hasn't really been in the team for a, a great length of time as it is. Um, and, and I think he maybe he's just not quite up to speed with um, you know, SPFL football. Um, there's a few times he's he's still getting caught up in, in niggly fouls against them, and, and I think there's still that bit that he needs to adapt or maybe learn and develop. But no, I think I think it was um, no, I, I, I think it was a, 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 a substitution. I think it be needed and, and it worked because I think Brown maybe got a, a grip of the game. Um, and maybe kind of got us up that park a little bit further than what, what, what we had been. What about uh, he's, God, his name's left me. 
Aberdeen manager, what's his name again? McInnes. Yes. McInnes, Ted McInnes. He's turned into a right green face get, hasn't he? <sighs> Was he not always that anyway? <laughs> I just, I, I don't, it's just, you just watching the complaints of absolutely everything. He got a yellow card, didn't he? He did. He did. He complains about absolutely everything. Uh, I thought Camberry, he's a funny player, Camberry, isn't he? I must admit, sometimes I think he looks great. Uh, but that kind of classic, try to win the penalty, try to chip mm-hmm. the ball off, the, off Welsh's hat. I think that's what McInnes was actually losing the rag about, kind of thing. But, you know, it, 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 it definitely hits the hand, but see if that's a penalty, then do you know what? They should, they should change the rule again. It says yeah. no matter where your hand or arm is, no matter where it is positioned, if it hits it, then it's an automatic penalty. But there's nothing uh, Wales could have done. And that, that can be, he knew exactly what he was doing. And I think they did, whether he, they picked up on it, whether it was half-time, full-time or, or during the game, he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and... Yeah, that's that's. It doesn't take much for McInnes to, to to go rage, especially when it's against us. And I think with with McInnes as well, a bit a bit in the same boat as as Lennon is that he knows that Aye. his job is on the line right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. the fans are calling, or some some section of the fans are calling for his head. So he he's probably at that stage where, yeah, he is more about everything because he's he's just under so much pressure that he needs he needs a win. And um, and fortunately for us, he didn't get it tonight. There's a funny kind of alliance there, isn't there, with, uh, with Neil Lennon. God, I forgot his name again. Uh, Derek McInnes. And Derek McInnes. <laughs> uh, I think they're good pals. I think they're good pals. Uh, I, know. I, um, I think they go on quite well. Um so they they all they always do seem quite friendly when it comes to um a Celtic Aberdeen match. So um yeah, maybe they kinda of know each other from back in the day, but uh, they seem to be going quite well. Great right, guys, we'll move on to the, the topic of the podcast tonight, which is the plan going forward. Uh where you would like to see Celtic in the next three to five years or there thereabouts. Uh, the ball's already started rolling with Dominic Mackay came in, as we said, and there is talk of different directors of football and stuff. So we don't know if things are happening, but we hope they're happening. Uh, but tonight I would just like to talk about what would be the vision and the way that we would like to see the club going through this period of major change. Well, so we think it's going to be major change. The there has to be targets set, I would imagine, and there is just a kind of basic criteria that Celtic should be meeting. I've been thinking about it. I've been trying not to compare them to clubs, which is really difficult to do, but I've been trying to think a wee bit about what the club kind of stands for, uh, the image you would portray and the, the way that we think of ourselves, so we think of ourselves as a big club, a Champions League club, but I think the standards have fell, and I think it's only when you see the way that things are going that you might you might actually look at things and think, but you know what, 
things have to be done right and it's not all rosy in the garden. I would just like to, before I give Mark an opinion on the kind of the things that you would like to happen, uh, Mark, what, what would be your vision and where would you like to see Celtic? I'm saying three to five years, just as I, I always say three years because one thing that I always remember Gordon Strachan saying was that three years is enough to be the manager of Celtic. It's such an all-consuming job that by the end of it, you're actually knackered and you need a break. So that's that, that's why I'm saying the three to five years. Uh, what do we think, Mark? I, I, I agree with that kind of three-year mark. Um, I think... Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, to, to be under all that pressure and to be scrutiny day in, day out, um, we're quite an, an, a needy group of supports. I think that's fair to say. And, and I think just because of the rivalry, not just we have in, in Scotland, but, you know, in terms of trying to compete and try to get, punch our way through that, that glass ceiling, if you like, and, and getting into Europe... And, and, and not just getting in here, but competing. And I think that competing, what, once we're there, when we do get there, which isn't enough for me, that's probably one thing that we need to address. Yep. Um, I, I think once we're there, it's almost as if job done. And I think yeah. it's, oh, what a, you know, we get a draw. And, and, and mostly we do seem to get a pretty horrific draw. Um, but it's it's almost like well that's really our answer or an excuse for not doing so well and and um, just to to go back to the three year I mean I think when, when Brendan Rogers came in and that's probably Martin, Martin and Neil aside the, one of our best appointments that's not really came from Celtic if, if you like and 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 I think. How he was he was doing so well, you know, Invincibles and we're on our way when he left to doing the treble treble. Um you could see that people were starting to just get enough of him. Um and I don't know if that was the style of play or um his his attitude or, or maybe a few of his signings weren't they quite spot on and and I think maybe the relationship that he had with Peter Lawwell was maybe filtering down. And, and you were able to see that, and you were able to see that maybe he was manufacturing a way out, things with how it ended with Boyata and Dembele. Um, yeah. Wasn't he quite so good? So I think maybe that's why, <clears throat> excuse me, people were maybe starting to get a wee bit fed up with, with Rogers. and I think, yeah, so that, that kind of three-year mark is, is probably quite, quite right, and I think there should always be a, a plan of, of looking at who next, or, or maybe you know, the, the the old way of Liverpool done it, um, you know, the kind of boot room, whereas the next person moves up. Yeah. Uh, and, and I always thought that, that was, was Kennedy's route it was going to be, but even then people are starting to be a bit sick of, of John Kennedy and I'm not quite sure why, because I just don't think he's got a, a big enough influence. Or maybe that's the reason why, because he doesn't have that much of an influence. <coughs> um, I think... I think we need to get back into winning ways. We need to be the dominant force. I don't think that would take too much because I don't think um, who we've kind of lost that tag to are particularly great. I think they've just maybe got fortunate. We've dropped and that's probably helped. So I think we need to get that back first and foremost. Um, I think it needs to be far... Um, 
better uh, engagement with the fans actually treating us better invest not just investment in the team but invest invest in the fans and and, yeah. and listen to us if we're no stupid and um, we do have ideas we have thoughts and we care passionately and, and we should be used much much more better than what we are and not spoken down to or looked down to we should be considered more as part of the, the club and not just the 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 coffers and the you know people are the customers you know we we, we do care passionately and, and if you, uh, you do treat us right and you do listen to us and you you see that you are investing the team then we will pack the stadium now and, and we will do our best um, to to tear the club on um you need to realize that we've got an emotional attachment to the club it's 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 not like well for us anyway it's not like something that you don't think about every day I mean, we're, we're obsessed with it, and I think we deserve a bit of recognition for that, that the guys that come in to run the club are in a very privileged position. And yeah. we're, we're always going to be here. I mean, we're always going to put money in, and I don't think we actually want that much, really. I don't think we think we're ever going to win the Champions League, but we want to have a good stab getting there uh, and growing the club's reputation in Europe. I mean... I'm, sorry, sorry, I'm sure I heard the turnover for Celtic is probably the second best club in Europe out with the five top leagues. And, you know, I, I don't see why, you know, once we drop into the Europa League, if, sorry, if we do drop into the Europa League or we find ourselves in a position like this season of being in the Europa League, we should really be doing... Uh, a, a much better job at it. Oh. When you look at look at last season, we're, we're, we've done really really well. You know, beating teams home and away, topping the league. You know, uh, securing um, a pathway into the next round with a couple of games to spare. Um, and from this year being, uh, you know, the the top one seed um, to just going out. Right. The exact opposite, you know. I think we were out with a couple of games spare. We really should be doing better, and maybe that three-year plan. I think we need to concentrate more on the now and and no yeah. look at project signs. Yes. That that really. I don't know if you want to go into that later, but yeah, that, that's one of the my bugbears. Is is um, I I believed that we've wasted tens of millions of pounds on yeah. on players that such as like are labelled projects and, and I think that's maybe had an effect on the academy players. Johnny? Uh, yeah, I mean, just just going back, I know we spoke about the, the new chief exec um, last week, but I think the fact that with him coming in, um, and we spoke about that kind of micromanagement thing um, that we don't want the new chief exec to have. But at the same time, we don't want him to be a penny pincher either. I mean, I know no. it's now a changing world because of COVID and because of Brexit, and it's going to change the kind of landscape of of um, European football, um, or world football. But I mean... <laughs> The thing about having a three to five year plan, if you'd asked me that question February last year, you know, it would have been completely different 
complete, completely different answer yeah. than the one I'm giving tonight. But um, I think if you were to look at the John McGinn situation, I mean, we're led to believe he did definitely want to come to Celtic. And it was just, at the end of the day, Lowell wasn't willing to pay um, the right money. And that's why that's why we, we, we lost him as a signing. So we just don't want the new exec just to be penny pinching and trying to kind of grind people down to, to you know to the penny so that's one thing I'd want to see changing um, restore the reputation in Europe Mark just said you know we're now no longer feared at Celtic Park, it used to be a fortress you know we were beating teams like you know AC Milan and, and uh, Juventus at Celtic Park and it's just not the case anymore and it's like you know, we can have all the disco lights in the world, but it doesn't necessarily make the team better. So we need to we need to get the things right on the park so that we are kind of seen as um, a difficult team to beat in Europe again. So, Johnny, I'm, uh, Johnny sorry, I've said before, <laughs> I get absolutely sick of people rattling on about the atmosphere when we're getting beaten. Yeah, right. We're like Scotland in in Europe. Sometimes, and of course, players have got to love to come to play Celtic, but they've got the atmosphere. But I think we're going here. We're going here for a joy. We're going to win. Yeah, I can remember uh, a couple of seasons back the Valencia game, and I was walking up to the the match room. We fell in. There's a Valencia fan stopped me, asking you to take a picture. And I'm taking a picture. I'm absolutely loving it. They're not nervous at all, and I, I don't mean about I don't mean nervous about uh, violence and like that. I just mean they're not they're not hyped up about the game at all. They're coming here for a great time. They're coming here for a bit of a party. Aye, uh, it's it's almost like a professional footballer or even a, a fan that travels a, a, abroad to watch their team. It's on Celtic Park's on their bucket list, and it's uh, not just because of the atmosphere, but it's now because. I, you know, we're pretty much going to get a, a, a result now. And and just to go back, I mean, I, I don't think Celtic should, or anybody should be adopting, you know, what the Turkish or the Greek fans do, you know, yeah. banners up, welcome to hell, and, and pretty much the opposing team gets it from the, the minute the plane touches down on the runway. But I think there should be a balance, whereas, you know, when the, the, the Barcelona bus, I think it was, I seen on, on YouTube a, a while ago, um, you, you know, the, the bus was being brought up Celtic Way with a, a, a piper and then they were being piped in. And, <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? No, just, that, that's, that's wrong. And then I'm not saying that, you know, when, like Valencia, do you, that example you use, you know, they should be segregated and, and, and kept away, but it's, it's not, it's just wrong. It's, it, yeah, we, we should really be in their faces and make it more difficult right from the off. Aye, absolutely. Do you, know, do you know? Do you know, Mark? Now you're, you're saying here about the the bus getting piped up the Celtic way. Totally wrong, right? Shouldn't we do things like that? We also should never do again that we done when Brendan Rodgers came. We shouldn't be shutting the stadium to welcome a manager that we are lucky to have you. That, in hindsight, that shouldn't have happened. That really uh, shouldn't have happened. I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm no quite. I'm really kind of getting caught up in that, and I think that just was the the, the situation we were all pretty much um, 
you know, Rangers were supposedly coming. Sorry, I've, I've mentioned that word, but you know, they were coming and we needed a new manager, and, and that was just a, a great appointment. And I think everybody was caught up and it kind of caught fire, and everybody was going up. So I think everybody was going up to, to see it. It was a lovely day, but I'm not really that bothered. It, fortunately, it worked out. If it didn't, then <laughs> that would be more embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but just, just to go back again to the Barcelona, that atmosphere, I think it was Iniesta was going off a sub and, you know, half the stadium were clapping. I'm like, yeah. you're, still in this, you're still in this game here. And yeah. I don't know, he was, he was appreciative and, and what a player, probably one of the best players, you know, if not the best, you know, top three, top five or some. You've seen it silly Park, but, uh, but we're still in the game. You still want to win and cheer on. You like, Clap off um, your opposing players. I couldn't believe it. And I was talking to the boy next to us, and he was absolutely st- struck a bit as well. You know, see, see a lot of the big teams, see the, the kind of team that we aspire to be. Uh, I think they take a lot of the emotional attachment out of the manager. So they'll give a criteria, right? We need to get to the Champions League. We need to do this. See, if you don't do this, you'll, you'll be relieved of your duties. And I think the top managers, I'm not saying they don't really mind it, but they accept that's part of it. Then they'll bring somebody else in. There'll already be a system there in the club a lot of the time where all the players know what they're doing, right from the academy level right up. And it's it's not always that big a deal. You know, there's, there's no that emotional attachment that, I mean, I remember when Brenda Rogers left, that was... I nearly crashed my boat on the way to work. You know, it was... Yeah, I know. I I don't think it does us any favours. I don't think... uh, If you want to be a kind of... This big club that's set up for success, uh, and if you're... European success will bring domestic success as well, you know? But I think that we should move on a wee bit to so much of the, the emotional attachment and get guys into two jobs, and if they're not doing their job, sorry, you're let go. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I know what you mean, Paul. In, in, in terms of Brendan Rodgers, probably that um, that welcome he got as the manager inflated his ego more than it probably needed inflated because it was already <laughs> big enough anyway. Um, but I... Aye, I know, yeah. and, I, and I think you're right, but I mean, I think we were all caught up in it, I was oh. caught up in it as well, and, yeah. and I think the media team done a great job, and the whole kind of video that they done, the backroom stuff, and it, it built that it, it built that excitement towards it, but like you say, maybe in hindsight, it was maybe kind of, well, wait a minute, he should also feel privileged that he's became the manager of Celtic. It shouldn't be that we got, you know, the 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 man the ex manager of Liverpool who didn't win anything, and he's now the manager of Celtic, and we should be really grateful. But obviously, as Mark says, he went on. He done an amazing job, so you can't say too much. But no, I take your point on that. But I, I know just that I, I, for me, I just feel that he he raised the standards of the clubs behind the scenes. You know the. Um, you know, with the, the backroom staff. And I, I know he'd done the dirty honours and, and whatnot and and uh, probably need to move on from that. And they probably took most of that staff away with him. But I think he just showed you the investment you put in between coaching staff, the training, the, 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 the details, 
right down to the fine lines, you know, from, from the, the, the pre-match to the transport. Everything was just seemed to be done. That He, he was at, at behind it all. He didn't leave others to do it. Maybe he left, um, what's the boy's name, Chris, Chris, um, it's gone, the coach he took with him, and uh, it was John Kennedy. Um, you know, he had them to, to help him. But he seemed to be a, a guy who was far more on the training field uh, than, say, Neil Lennon and maybe even Martin O'Neill, who are a, a different type of school from, from, from Rogers. And uh, I, I just think that he's more in line with the game, was far more uh, fitter. Um, than than what we've ever been. We were just constantly, um, you know, shutting teams down, shutting players, hounding them, and you know we went toe to toe with Man City, um, and it was just for me that that's what we need to get back to. Of, of course, we've no mentioned the obvious. The, the 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 plan does not involve the current manager, um, and and also the plan does not involve us settling for. You know what, what was it? The statement said um, operational highlights is second in the league. That 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 is no that should oh, not even come into consideration. And um, for me, that was absolutely shocking. And, and that's what we need to get away from that attitude as well. Um, I would have so, felt better if we said there is no highlights. I well, I I mean the, the the Scottish Cup. There's the highlight. We completed the the, the quadruple treble. Uh, and, and perhaps left it there, um, but yeah, to, to drop that in, in, in a two-horse race that, he, that maybe two years ago was just a one-horse race is is just absolutely shocking, and, and instantly, you know, got 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 me absolutely fuming. Aye, it'd be different if they said second in the league and there was only um, we were only three points behind or something like that. <laughs> And it was uh, conceivable that we could come back and win it, but I know that was just ridiculous. Do you know when we're talking about Brendan Rodgers, and I know we've all got, we were all annoyed at him, but there's there's no doubt it was whatever he done it worked. As in, I've heard players talking about when they would come in in the morning and the, all the drills were set up. It was like they all rolled onto one another. There was none of this standing about. And they all seem to, to love that. Whatever he done, whatever he, lies he was telling them or whatever, they all seem to love it and they all seem to totally buy into it. They were the fittest they'd ever been. Yeah. I mean, Scott Brown, he, he just he, Scott Brown was starting to get involved in the coaching. He took him off it, says, concentrating on your playing career. <laughs> uh, so he, he seemed to give guys, he seemed to give older guys legs and he seemed to give younger guys more confidence. James yeah. Forrest. James Forrest is a, the, the perfect example of a guy who, again, he was, was talking of him when he's way out of the club. Uh, but Rogers totally turned him about. So there must be something in this this modern approach, sports science, all these fine margins. If you put it together, you, you get a, a, a better product. And the only thing, one of the annoying things as we were saying about that was the projects. I think your project, I think your project should be your youth teams. I don't think yeah. you should be signing too many. I would rather he invested the money in two players for every position, uh, and then you've got your projects are it's the youth yeah. setup. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, aye. And, and I think that we've just, we've, we've hoped to get that diamond and there has been a few of them, um, but maybe they've not been labelled as projects, but they've always hoped that that Bayou or Kuasi or, you know, recently it's um, Klamala um, is, is the next thing that's just going to move on and, and earn us millions, but it just doesn't work out. And and you're right, it, it seems to... Um, so they kind of get first-team games because they're not up to scratch. So where do they play? Where do they get their fitness to keep them going, to keep them on the bench? So they have to play in the under-23 games or, or whatever, and, and that kind of stunts the, the academy growing. And when you hear reports of... Um, Reed and Belly or um, Okoflex or you know the, the rest of the guys who we believed were the next best thing from what we're told and when they do get their chance albeit it was under difficult circumstances because it was at a moment's notice and there was little preparation it just didn't seem to grab that opportunity no. and I think it was at Jack Aitchison that's come out and says he, he was trying to get away well before he eventually did because he just could not see a a route or a path out of the academy into the first team, which is, is very, very sad. And yeah, not everybody's going to make it, but maybe is that why uh, the first opportunity the young boys are going to um, other clubs and they're, they're not all Bayern Munich and um, Liverpool. It's somebody like Blackburn and, and such. And you're like, well, what's what's going on? I think the, the, the plan needs to involve looking at the... the um, the academy as well, and dear Mark, yep. Sorry, sorry I. Uh, yep. Sorry, I thought you were cut off there. No, no, no you're right. I, the academy. I mean, if you were to look at probably like kind of textbook example would be Callum McGregor, and that you know he's came through the ranks. He's been put out to loan. He wasn't maybe getting as many first-team opportunities as he, as he wanted, put out to loan, came back, and now he's been a regular uh, in the first team. And you're like, well, let's see more of that. But I know we've kind of spoke privately about, you know, when was the last, you know, striker, like maybe a centre-forward that Celtic have pulled, you know, came through the ranks. And you're like, you find it very hard to think of one. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just trying to bring players through the ranks in every position, not just, um, you know, the odd one here and there, one, one in defence, you know, um, one in midfield or whatever. But, yeah, I, I think Lennox Town or, or, can the, or Youth Academy need to see a better return than it is seen right now. Um, and, and, and that's kind of one of the, the main things that I would want to see change over the next few years as well. And, and they're all very quick to tell us that they're winning this league and this trophy, and they do seem to be far more successful than, than the others. But to me, that, that's not the measure of, of an academy. The measure of an academy is their youngsters breaking that through, making that debut, scoring that goal, getting an international cap at, say, maybe under-21s or, 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 you know, if they hadn't already done it. And that's the sign. Not necessarily winning the leagues and the cups. It's just, see, if if you stick to a, a formation, and I think the formation, or the way they, they should be is how the, the first team play, um, and the identity of the first team should be the same as in the, the, the academy. Um, the 
it should just flow and and, and I think it doesn't necessarily, they don't as I say, they don't necessarily need to win all these cups and trophies. It, it's for me the measure of success is making that uh, into the, the first team. And if they go on loan, um, and if it needs to be, then then so be it. Because there's three strikers that are top notch, but we do value you and we see you as having a place in the team. But go and go and cut your teeth. And, and it needs to be the right t- team and it needs to be in the right league. Yeah. Three point, because uh, I know that down in England, three point sending down a, a, a wee tiny whippy nipper, uh, winger or, or striker down into, say, the first division where it's up and at them and you're up against a six foot four Arnold Schwarzenegger type build defender week in, week out, you know? Mm. There needs to be a lot of thought in that. I've said to you before, I mentioned it before, that I was I was uh, I was up kicking the ball a bit with my wee fella and the, the Falkirk assistant manager was there, uh, or the Falkirk reserve manager, and it was it was when Rogers was still there and I was chatting to him and he was saying about they had played the Celtic under twenty threes or whatever and they had bet them they'd bet them anyway, bet them by a few goals. Uh, and he was telling me about how they weren't bothered. Celtic weren't bothered when Rogers was there. It was all about playing a system. And Falkirk just had big battering rams. And they thought it was great, but he was talking about how it's not great. That, that That's not... The, the way that Celtic do it now is for the youth academy, all the way up, they're all playing the same system. So that when somebody comes out, somebody goes in. I don't see that happening. I'd, when you listen to Carl McGregor's interviews, he said he, he sounds like there's no system. That he, I know. Well, did you see Paul the um, that Marvin Bartley was was interviewed um, and he spoke about playing under Neil Lennon and he said, "Well, he's a he's a motivator, but he's not a manager who believes in tactics." No. I mean, what was your what's your thoughts on that? I thought that was a dig. Do you think so? I thought that was a dig, and I think more and more players have seen it and having digs at Neil Lennon now. Yeah. Uh, but do you think it's true? Do you think what he was saying was true, though? Aye. <laughs> Somewhere. Mm-hmm. Aye, because sometimes you have to separate, well, as a as a former player came out and criticising the former manager because of, you know, whether they had disagreements or they weren't getting picked or whatever... Or are they just coming out and just calling it like it is? And are, are they saying that, well, that's exactly what Neil Lennon's like? And maybe that explains the problems that are happening now because it's now just kind of starting to filter through from when he inherited Brendan Rogers' side. Because he has changed, he's changed his tune. When he came in at the start, he said he wasn't going to make any big changes when it was working. But what he said was he was going to uh, just tweak a few different things. Uh, he wasn't into major change. They play nothing like they play with Brendan Rodgers now. Nothing like no. it at all. They play no. it like he's on and they play. Yeah, I mean, he did certainly change. They, they were, one of the things he I remember him saying is they wanted to get the ball moved forward quicker. 
That's right. Um, which I think everyone was quite happy to see because I think all the kind of passing it about the back and all that was one yeah. of the criticisms that a lot of people had of Brendan Rodgers' side, yeah. Yeah. Uh, me, me included. <laughs> um, so it was good that he was coming in and doing that. And you're like, all right, maybe he's going to implement everything you know, that people want to see. But then, okay, he has done that, but has it worked? It's maybe not worked. Well, it's definitely not worked this season. I remember when they came in, they were playing Hearts and they scored that cracking goal. It was all over Burton, James Forrest. It was just, it was like a knife through butter. It was mm-hmm. hardly any touches of the ball. Mm-hmm. I can't remember seeing the last time I saw somebody scoring a goal at I know. Well, well, we'll uh, count the, the, the goal tonight from, from Bailey uh, to McGregor uh, to, 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 to Turnbull. But as I say earlier, we've just not seen enough of that. Yeah. Get you know, get the ball, turn around, head up, and go. It's, it's yeah. There's just not enough, and I think that there, there seems to be to get from one player to another. It, it always seems that it needs to go to the closest player first. When you think you're a professional footballer, you've been playing for years. Surely you can make that pass that's twenty yards uh, further. You know, uh, on top of the, the twenty yards, you're just going to play it safe. Take a risk. Um, and I think that's a problem when Scott Brown's playing. It always has to go through him at some point. Yep, yep. What's your thoughts then on the... It was mentioned at the AGM about um, Celtic considering a director of football. What's your thoughts on on that being a change that happens? I like the idea of a director of football in the modern game. I like the idea of guys doing jobs that if they're not doing their job that well, they can be replaced and there's no a big rig role. That there's already a kind of system and a, and a vision there. There's a vision involved. Uh, and that the coach is there more to coach than mm-hmm. get involved too much in transfers and things like that. I think mm-hmm. it's a way forward. Yeah. Aye. Aye, I, I think the, the manager roles, we know it's, it's changed so much as we knew it you know, back in the day. It's changed so much. It's become so much technical and um, money-orientated. And, you know, I, I think it's it's just not as easy for a manager to do that all. And I, you're right, a head coach with yeah, assistant coaches below them and a director of football, but, but there has to be that relationship almost almost daily with the coach and the director of football and the director of football I think has to have a football and background yeah. so that they're able to have that conversation with the coach about what players is needed in terms of feeding that back to the scouts of who's what, what players can you focus in on because this is the way we're playing and you know you know, this is the formation that's going to be preferred and, and this is what we're looking for. So there has to be that football um, link and, and and maybe your, your CEO is the one that has the kind of business uh, acumen, uh, but certainly director of football, yeah, first and foremost, has to have that football and, and be in regular contact, if not every day, every other day. Um, yeah. In, in, I think... Um... 
back in the day when Celtic appointed Jock Brown, um, you were thinking, obviously that didn't quite work, but he was the general manager. Yeah. But I don't think anyone quite really understood, well, no. you know, well, what is Jock Brown actually doing and what is the manager doing and what's the link here and how who has the final say on what? So I think probably I've been, I had been put up put off by the fact that there is some somebody in between the head coach and then the chief exec and it would maybe get complicated and wouldn't work but if you now look at all the top clubs you know Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham they all have a director <coughs> of football and that just seems to be the way forward so as long as you can get the right people in the right role then it could work so you know personally I'm probably kind of edging towards um, that happening now, is what I think. Yeah. See if whoever comes in, see if it was one that's already uh, successful mm-hmm. and, work at a, and work at another club, another big club. What do you think they would make a Lennox Town? Um, I'd, I'd probably think first and foremost is, is why did you pick this site? <laughs> it's, 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 it, as we know it probably pretty well of, in terms of the area, but <clears throat> I think it's been nicknamed Siberia. And um, it's pretty, don't get me wrong, when you see some of the pictures and whatnot, it's absolutely beautiful with that backdrop, but um, it's, it's pretty much stuck out in, in the wilderness and and I'm pretty sure it's been difficult to get to you last week um, for the players with that weather because it doesn't take much. It can be snowing there and, and in the next bigger town, there isn't any snow at all. So, Do you know something? I've, I've kept this to myself about Lennox Town because I'm not going to admit it. I've been up to Lennox Town loads and loads of times through my wee fella at the training. It's training I pay for it. So he doesn't play with Celtic, right? See the facility, it's crap. So do you do you get inside, Paul, or do you just from, no, do you, you see it from the you go inside and they train on the, the first kind of four G pitch or they go into the hall. That's usually the goalkeeper training. But see for a see for a club Celtic size, the club that we think we are within a Champions League club, <laughs> it's absolutely crap. See if you look at if you look at the clubs down south, and I'm not talking about the big clubs, I'm talking about Norwich. I even saw when it was Bristol, sorry, their trading complexes are far superior to the Celtics. If you, uh, if you look at the, uh, if you watch the stuff that's in Amherst Prime and you watch the, the Spurs one and you watch the Man City one, even, I, I know that we're not, we've not got the Prime that's got money, but we should be getting the money it should be the boards or whoever's running the club. They need to go and get the money. Because things like that... Do you know what? I, I was listening to a podcast over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think it was Celtic Underground. And they were saying that the in, they don't use the indoor pitch at Lennox Town because it's not a full-sized pitch. It's, it's three-quarters of a pitch. What's yeah. it good in that? How hopeless is that? It's ridiculous because, you know, if we, I mean, I know off the top of my head, 
Celtic will play on an AstroTurf pitch against their rivals, against at least three teams in the league each year. And we always seem to struggle on AstroTurf pitches, so you would think that they would make it a priority to be able to train in a full-size AstroTurf pitch because, you know, we could be losing the valuable points on those those, those pitches every every um, game that we play on them. But, but they have they have asked for tough pitches. I, 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 I know how many pitches have they got? I think they've got three, three full size pitches, but their in, indoor pitch is a three quarter size pitch. Aye. aye. And I mean, that was one of the so, reasons, I think, why, <laughs> and I know it's controversial, that's one of the reasons why um, Neil Lennon wanted to go to Dubai, was so that they could put in some good training sessions. Um, within, you know, a, a decent climate because they can only put in so much time on in Lennox Town per day during right. the winter. So I can, not, not that I'm justifying Dubai in any way, but like you say, Paul, if they had an indoor, a full-size indoor AstroTurf pitch, then that would solve that problem straight away of being able to train in the right way for a game on an AstroTurf pitch. They should have more than one. Yeah. When you go to the States, they've got the big kind of the domes. It's like the big uh, inflatables. They only, fly. they only need things like that. I mean, I, I just think Lennox Town, it, it looks great, but see if you're trying to attract a player and you bring him over. You bring somebody over uh, for, I don't know, for a broad, for a reasonable size club, and you take him up there. I think they must be thinking, is this, this for the kids? Aye. I don't see, see I, I remember back when it was no long opened, there was an open day or, or a few open days and you could go in for a tour and it was, when I was studying and I was working part time and I took a boy up that we were supporting because uh, he was desperate to go up and, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, I thought I was really impressed with it but I had nothing to compare yep. it to and it, you know Celtic fan, it's Celtic's new training complex, brilliant. They've been waiting for this for ages. And um, getting a tour around. And I, I don't know if, if like, say, the, the young kids, when they go in, they maybe use the, the academy or the, the young players' changing rooms because they're pretty basic and stark. And I always remember the point of the, the tour guy saying, it's, it's no, there's no thrills in this it's because... It's, you don't want to give them too much at that age because you want them to feel that they earn getting up and uh, into the, the 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 main team, the first team, where it's the changing rooms where a lot lot better. And um, you know, in the gym, you've seen the kind of hydro pools, um, and I, I'm, we went into the indoor bit, and it didn't really uh, strike me that. Aye, this, this isn't the same size as a, a full-size pitch. I don't know why it didn't. It certainly wasn't mentioned or brought up. Um, and I must have listened to the same podcast as you, Paul, because it was mentioned 
fairly recently. I thought, Ay, my God. And, and, and all you can put it down to was they cut corners in order to save money. There's no other explanation as a professional club that believe themselves to be so big for, for, for doing that. Um, and they do the canteens, the, the offices um, and all that. And, and, and he says all the pitches were the exact same size as, as Celtic Park. They were uh, heated. Some were AstroTurf. I think the problem with AstroTurf is that although there's three teams, maybe four, but definitely three, they've probably all got different pitches themselves. So it's hard to kind of replicate that uh, specifically. But just to kind of finish off on that point, what they said was this was phase one of the training ground or the training camp, if you like. But as far as I'm aware, all of those years, it's probably going back 15 years maybe, not quite. I don't think anything else has been done to it to improve. Aye. I can't remember what phase two was supposed to be, whether it was supposed to be something like digs for the youngst team, uh, maybe if they're coming abroad or keeping it together. Um, it's just, as far as I'm aware, nothing, nothing else has been done. But just uh, to finally, definitely finish it up, you mentioned Barrafield. Was there no talk was, of the, the girls, the girls uh, getting a, a kind of mini stadium built there for them? Aye. So, aye, okay. I, I think that's pie in the sky and you know that's probably going to be shelved because of the the money situation now yeah, tell us we remember that they used to oh, that's uh, I, yeah. I think they just drip feed some of that stuff in but uh, I, so I think all this stuff should be it should be evolving if you if you want to be a Champions League club you need to start having Champions League standards you need you can yeah. sit and just that's it, that's how it's got to do. It's, it's not going to change. I mean, there's a big job. Big, whoever comes in, manager, uh, sporting director, whoever, they've got a big rebuilding job to do. But it's not out with... They've done the, re, the big rebuilding job before. I mean, uh, when Gordon Strachan came in and they took over for Martin O'Neill, he had a major rebuilding job to do. And I know that he was told that he had to sell and he had to get rid of all the big hitters before <laughs> he could he could really spend uh, really spend the money. And he did and he did it and he rebuilt it. Uh, but I think that if you look at the financial report as well, I never paid too much attention to it, but we don't seem to be in that bad a way financially compared to a lot of other clubs. But I think more yeah. so we, I think we need to change our outlook and our vision as opposed to the amount of money we spend. I think it's the way the, the way that um, we spend the money and what we I I you come up. Yes, sorry. I, I, no, just on that point, I think I think we need to trim the squad. The squad is is far too big and was was um was midfielders look you know, far too too many, and and you know there was absolutely no way of some of them getting games, and that's just uh, breeds, you know, um, disappointment and moods, and just kind of be bothered, and what's the point being here? So I think there was just a lot of money absolutely wasted, and you know, three or four buying average players where you could just you know bring that together and get one, definitely one, <clears throat> or maybe two. Great players. I mean, I've not got 
I've not got a big problem to the guys that that play more so in the Champions League than they do into the Scottish Cup games or that. They, they don't really fancy they don't fancy the the, the rough and tumble and getting dug in. And if they if they if they perform the best in the Champions League where that's where they shine, I'm fine with that. If you you can have a guy like that and you can have a guy who's a bit harder. If it's a big if it's a squad, if you've got decent players in the positions, I don't mind that. For example, uh, Elanusi, I think in Europe when he played against Lazio, and that he was really good. I don't think he fancies it so much uh, in the kind of against Livingston and things like that. But if you know yeah. your players and you know what you've got, I think that's where the squad comes in. I think that's what it does. And I mean, I want guys to shine in Europe. If they shine in Europe, that's how they get the big money moves, and that's how you get somebody else in. So I've not, I've not really got a problem with that. But I guess we say the squad needs trimmed. You need, you, you only want guys who are capable of playing. And as I said before, your projects should be your youth teams. That should be your projects that you're not spending a lot of money on. That you're, you're rearing and you're bringing them into a, a concept at the club. This is how we do stuff. This is how we play. I, I mean. Sorry, John. I can I seem to be speaking low here, but see, see, likes of um, the young guys like um, Luca Connell and um, I mean Frimpong as well. He just broke into the team and, and done so well and managed to stay there probably too long and maybe could have benefited going back down the way for for a period. But it's almost when we make these signings, it's almost as if they're included in. The first team, so we've got expectations of they. Like, we want them to play. They, they should just be signed and without any fuss and brought in and say, right, we we see you as a as, as a as a really good prospect. You're in our, in our academy, no, just and the the, the the first team where they absolutely get no game time at all. Um, so I, I don't mind getting players from other academies and bring them into your academies, but we just seem to bring them to other academies and, and consider them. Um, I, I think we've been led down that road and to believe that, that they are, we're, we're getting an academy player, but they're a first-team player. We end up developing them for other clubs. That's what we do. <clears throat> we develop yeah, them. I know. We develop them. Is, the, whoever comes in, they need to... Then they need to. There has to be a plan because I don't think there is a plan, and I don't think there's been a plan for a while. And bare minimum, I think it should have to be Champions League. If you go to the Champions League, that you get a good run in the Europa League, and then if you do that, success in Scotland will come. You know, because you've got a decent squad, you should be able to mix it up. But here's hoping. Over the next few months, that whoever comes in will will be happy, and there'll actually be a clear path that you can think. Right, the guys that are signing, you can see, and I don't, I don't always think they need to spend ten and fifteen million on people. I just think they need to do their homework a bit and make sure that the guys know that they're coming in to uh, an environment where they're going to be developed, they're going to be supported. And we've got aspirations of doing well in Europe. 
they need to be paid a decent wage, but if they want, there should be uh, there should be a carrot dangled in front of them where the further in the Champions League you go or the further in Europe you go, the more money you get. And that will end up no costing the club any money because they'll be getting prize money or if I winning the no winning the Champions League. But going further in each round, they'll be getting the prize money, so that'll be that'll go towards the bonuses. Yeah, I did. I mean, I the difference in money you get from draws to 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 actual wins, and and I think if you get a glamour tie, say like a playing an English aye. team, it is just in, in, incredible the difference. So, aye, you you're right. Fork it a little bit, and you'll you'll get it back. Okay, guys. <clears throat> that was great. Thanks very much. That was good. Good right. to chat again. Welcome to A Boy Is Born. I'm Paul Kay and tonight I'm going to be joined again by Johnny and Mark. This week we're going to be discussing what is the way forward for Celtic? What is the plan? And where would you like to see Celtic in three to five years? Thanks for tuning in again and hopefully you enjoy it. is born. I'm Paul Kay and tonight I'm going to be joined again by Johnny and Mark. This week we're going to be discussing what is the way forward for Celtic? What is the plan? And where would you like to see Celtic in three to five years? Thanks for tuning in again and hopefully you enjoy it.